Welcome to the Atlantic Baptist Church Podcast. Visit our new website at AtlanticBC.org. Or check us out on Facebook for the latest updates. Now, here's Pastor Carlos. And even in our lives, what we want is we want to escape from this broken planet. This fallen world. And we want to go and be our souls, our spirit with, with God in heaven someday. We want to just leave all this behind and that's where we want to end up. The problem is we've left one extreme for the other. And we've missed out on the biblical narrative. You see, we've been going through the gospel, and the gospel narrative is this grand narrative. And we've looked at the gospel explained, that is the personal relationship, what, what God has done in our lives, but we've also looked at the gospel revealed, which is the great creation, the fall, the, the rescue. And now today we're going to look at the final restoration. And here's my hope today, that as we talk about what God has in store for us, we will guard ourselves against going down two paths that are not part of the gospel, but it will also spur us on to finish the race God has called us to. So let me pray, and then we are going to read God's word, Revelation chapter 21. Why not you pray with me? Father, thank you for this worship service. Thank you for the time that we have sung praises, we have prayed, we have given testimony of of your miraculous work in the life of Jan. Father, thank you for the giving that has taken place, both in these Thanksgiving baskets and in the offering and tithe. But Lord, now as we turn to your word, may your spirit move in a profound way. May you capture our hearts. May you draw our attention to your truth. Father, I'm inadequate to communicate the glory and splendor that you have for us. But Lord, you are more than faithful. You are more than adequate that your spirit moves in profound ways. So Lord, will you have your way in this place? May you be glorified. And may our hearts be directed towards you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to Revelation 21. Revelation 21. Now, here's what we're in the book of Revelation. I know you, you did a study on the book of Revelation. And what, I'm, what I want to do is I want to skip all kind of the stuff that comes before this. The idea of what's going to happen. How is it going to happen? We're just going to go past all of that. And we're going to get to what is the end. What happens at the end? And this is fitting because we started our series in Genesis. And remember, we looked at Genesis 1. God created everything. Then we looked at Genesis 2 and 3, God's goodness and grace, and then the fall. And so it's fitting that we end in the book of Revelation. And here's what it says in Revelation 21. This is after Christ has come back victorious on his white war horse, after he has done away with the harlot of Babylon, and after he's done away with the beast. This is what's happening after all of that in Revelation Chapter 21, verses 1 through 9, it says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice 
from the throne, saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. He, and he who is seated on the throne, said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexual immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all the liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And that is God's holy, living, and active word. As we come to this part in the book of Revelation in the end, our idea of heaven has been um, often misplaced from common literature, from um, media. We have this view of heaven, at least I did when I was young, of kind of this idea of heaven of being a clouds and harps and halos, maybe even little chubby babies all over the place. And we have this idea of what, what heaven looks like, and this idea is not doesn't paint the full picture. It's funny, in Mark Twain's The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, he says this, after, after um, Huck got in some trouble, and he kind of challenges the teacher. She talks about heaven. And she, he says this, Now, she had gone, she had a good start, and went on and told me about this good place. She said, All a body would ever do there was to go around all day long with a harp and sing forever and ever. So I didn't think much of it, but I never said so. I asked her if she reckoned Tom Sawyer would be there, and she said, Not by any considerable sight, I was glad about that because I wanted him and me to be together. And kind of in that humor that Mark Twain has, he say, he's saying that the idea of heaven doesn't seem so compelling. And Huck Finn's honest answer is, if that's what heaven is like, sitting on clouds, playing harps, singing forever and ever, he says, I, I'm not sure I want to go there. And that's not what scripture describes heaven to be like. In fact, when we read this passage in the book of Revelation, we see a very different picture, a very complete picture of what heaven is, and not even not just heaven, but also the new earth. Look what it says in the beginning. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There's a new heaven and a new earth earth. You see, when God created us, he created us as physical beings, and then he breathed the breath of heaven into us. He combined both the dust of the earth, Adam, with the breath of heaven. There's a beautiful marriage there, and that's why we are the crown of all creation, because we have both 
the physical and the spiritual. And remember, he said it is good. That the physical was good. But remember, when sin entered the world, so did death, and everything broke down. But here in the end, in the book of Revelation, it says there's a new heaven and a new earth. You were created not to be a soul living forever in the presence of God. You were created to have a new physical body on a new restored planet where God will be with us forever and ever. That is the testimony of Scripture. See, the Old Testament has this idea of heaven, and when you read the Old Testament, you kind of say, well, what do they say about heaven? And it says some things, but it also says the idea that there's going to be a restoration here, a restored kingdom here. Remember, that was their misplaced hope when Christ came. They wanted him to restore the kingdom. And see, their misplaced hope in the early in Old Testament history was they wanted a king, and God had always promised there was going to be a king. But because they had a misplaced hope, they wanted this earthly king, and they pressed and said, we want a king like the other nations. And then they got Saul, and then they got David, and then they got Solomon, and then Rehoboam, and the kingdom split. And there's always been a desire for the king, but as God warned them, the earthly king is never going to satisfy, and he's never going to rule justly. And just as they had a misplaced hope in an earthly king, they had a misplaced hope in the kingdom. God's plan all along was to restore the earth. It says in Psalm 25, 13, His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. That word land is the same as the earth. We shall inherit the land. Isaiah 66, 17 says, Behold, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered. They will not come to mind. Isaiah 66, 22 also says, as the new heaven and the new earth I will make endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure. Second Peter 3.13 But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. See, that's our, one of our great hopes, is not just that we escape this planet, not that just we leave all the broken and fallenness behind, our great hope is that God's going to come and restore all things. And here in the book of Revelation, at the final consummation of all things, he's saying there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And it's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. There's an odd statement in the passage. It said there's going to be no sea. I like the sea. I like the ocean. We live in South Florida. It's beautiful. But why would they say there's going to be no sea? It seems odd. In their understanding, the sea is where chaos happens. Remember, that's where Jesus calms the storms. Remember, in creation, there is the water, and God brings about order from chaos. In fact, during that time, they believed that, that evil came out of the sea. And even the book of Revelations, it's symbolic and metaphoric that the, the beast comes out of the sea. And so the sea is not bad itself, but it's a picture of the chaos of this world things that have gone wrong in this world. And he said, that's going to be no more. The sea is a picture of division, which divides people from being together. And he said, that's going to be no more. There is going to be a great ocean. There is going to be great mountains. There are going to be great trees. I believe there are going to be animals. 
I believe it's going to be like the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve could walk around without fear, without, without any reservation. They can enjoy the creation. The great picture I have is, I've, I've shared this before, but like when you see a little kid run. Have you ever seen little kids run? They run with reckless abandon. They have no fear. Why is that? Because they haven't taken enough falls or spills to recognize that they hurt when you fall down. And as we get older, they hurt more and recovery takes longer. But kids, they don't know that. And so they run with reckless abandon all over the place. And I picture that is like the new earth, where we have the freedom to go and do with all our desires being pure and enjoy God's creation. The picture of going up to the lion, the big fluffy mane, and taking his head and just shaking it. And having his cat tongue, that's like sandpaper, just lick you. It's going to be a beautiful thing, the new earth that God has created for us. And we are going to dwell here for all eternity. But it's not just a new earth. It's going to be new people. And the word new here is two words in Scripture for new. One is new in, in, in order, chronology. It's, it's brought about new. And another is new of kind. And this, this word here in the book of Revelation is new of kind. Not meaning that it's, it's something from nothing, but that he's taken what already exists and, and restores it and makes it new. But look what he says in the book of Revelation, John, as he says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of, of, of heaven from God, prepared. Just like the garden was prepared for Adam back in Genesis 2, God has prepared the city, a bride ordained for her husband. And then he hears this loud voice coming from the throne. And when you read the book of Revelation, God speaks only a few times. The rest are pictures. And this loud voice coming from the throne, saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. God's dwelling with man. It says it again. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. The picture is not of us going up to God in heaven. The picture when Christ comes back is this picture of Emmanuel, God with us. Because that was God's intent. That was God's plan. God with us. Which means there's going to be a new earth. It also means that we are going to have new physical bodies that are going to inhabit this new earth. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 26, 19. Your dead shall live. Their bodies shall rise. You will dwell, you who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. There are bodily resurrection that's going to occur. Romans 8, that passage that talks about creation longing and groaning for the redemption, also says this in 8.23, And not only creation that is longing to be restored, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoptions as Son, the redemptions of the redemption of our bodies. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, 
And from there we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. The promise we have is there's going to be a resurrection someday. You see, when we pass from this life to the next, our spirits go and we're in the presence of God. And it's a glorious thing. But as our spirits go and we're with the presence of God, God is not done yet. Remember in the book of Thessalonians, when Christ returns, all those who have gone before us are going to come with him. It's going to be like a grand parade. They're coming victoriously back to earth. And it says, actually, we're going to be caught up in the air. The symbol of that is like when a victorious king came back during that time and the people would open the city gates. It's safe now. He has conquered. And they run out and they meet the conquering king in celebration of his victory. And then they all return back to the city and celebrate. That's the picture. And so when we, trans- when we go from this life to the next, our spirit is with the presence of the Lord. Paul says to be, um, to be absent in the bodies, to be present with the Lord. But there's more. When Christ comes back, there's going to be a resurrection. We're going to get new spiritual bodies. We're going to get bodies that are like our Lord Jesus. Remember Jesus when he said to his disciples who weren't so sure he was a, wasn't a ghost? He said, look, I'm eating. Do ghosts eat? Look, touch me. You can feel me. This is, I have a physical body. And yet a glorified body. And we're promised that we, our bodies, will be like his. It's a glorious thing. Therefore, when we read um, 1 Corinthians 15, when we read 1 Corinthians 15, and Paul talks about this resurrected body, he says, it's hard to explain, but let me explain it the best I can. It's like a seed. And when that seed goes into the ground, that seed dies. The seed no longer is there. But what comes out of the seed is a plant. A beautiful plant. It's something different. Different completely. And he says, so it is with our bodies that they are, we are clothed right now in the perishable. And when we die, we're put in the ground. But God is going to resurrect, resurrect imperishable. And not imperishable soul, imperishable body which means we will, live to, we will live together forever in a new glorified body. Scripture doesn't tell us all that it's going to encompass. It gives us enough to capture our imagination and to say it's going to be glorious. I believe in, in the new body. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to sing. I can't sing now, so... Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to sing. I don't think, you know, by God's supernatural raising of my body that I'm going to be able to sing. But I, I do think this. I do think there will be some who will be able to sing beautiful, beautifully, and write new songs to the glory of God. And for those of us who can't sing, we will appreciate these songs and sing these songs without any envy without any wrong desires. I believe that we are going to explore the planet in our new created bodies. That just as in the garden that God had created and said, be fruitful and multiply and go out and have um, subdue the earth, reflect the glory. I believe God's going to have us go and throughout all creation, 
subdue it and reflect his glory. And we do it without fear. It's going to be a glorious thing. It says in 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, we are children, God's children now, and what we shall be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. It's going to be a marvelous thing as God connects Genesis, the garden, with the new garden that is to come, a city garden. What's our response to this? As we think about this, what, as we think about this great and grand new heaven, new earth, and, and God coming and dwelling with us and giving us new glorious bodies, what, what is our response to this? Well, let me first tell you the danger of not holding on to this biblical truth of the grandeur of the restoration of all things. The first danger that I've already alluded to. If we simply believe that this planet is not worth redeeming, if we simply believe that everything in this planet is so bad that we simply need to leave it behind, then what we will do as believers in Christ is we will withdraw from the culture. We will alienate ourselves from all that God is doing here. We will isolate ourselves. We will not be involved with God's work. Because our desire is to flee from all the corruption. Which is a dangerous thing. Because that's not the gospel. If we take the other extreme and we say, like Huck Finn, heaven doesn't sound so fun. It doesn't sound like a place, I mean, it's an eternal church service. And I don't, I don't know about you, I mean, I love church. I love singing the praise songs. But if someone said, it's an eternal church service, and that's all that we're going to do forever and ever and ever, something in my heart says that, that's not right. I, I, I don't know. And There's a song I love, and it resonates with me. And it says, This world has nothing for me. This world is not my home. Take this world and give me Jesus. That song, I love that song because it resonates within me. But I know what the artist is saying. This broken world that lives in rebellion against God's in its ways and desires is not for me. I feel like an alien here, and we should. And so in that way, I want to go and be with Jesus. But the great truth of the gospel is, Christ desires to be with us. He desires to be with us on this restored planet. And so if we have a wrong view of heaven and we say it doesn't seem too compelling, what will happen is we will try to find delight and satisfaction now in this world. If this is the last sunset I'll see, I, I, I better see it. If this is the last meal I'm going to eat, I better eat it. 
This could be the last chance for many things on this planet. And therefore, I need to find satisfaction now. I need to do it now. And that's not what the scriptures say. We will be dazzled by the new heaven and the new earth. We will see glories upon glories. As one author put it, the sunsets we see now, the splendor of the Grand Canyon we see now, is through the lens of a broken planet. There's greater things to come. And so we can have two extremes. We can either escape, isolate ourselves, saying everything is broken and fallen, or we can say, heaven doesn't seem as great and grand as some people make it out to be, and I need to, I need to take an experience now. But the proper response is to engage with God in his work. Now, notice what it says in Revelation 21, verse 5. He says, And he who, sit, who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. He didn't say I'm making all new things. I'm making all things new. And then verse 7 says, the one who conquers will have this heritage. Or the one who overcomes will have this heritage. And I will be his God and he will be my son. The idea here is the same as what it talks about in the beginning of the book of Revelation in the seven churches that God gives a warning to. And he says they need to be those who overcome. It says so in chapter 2, verse 7. And then in verse 11 and 17, 26 and on. These churches are warned. And then they said they need to overcome. Well, how, how do we overcome? What does this mean? What do we do to overcome? If we are to engage in this culture and the work of God, what does it mean to overcome? First John 5, 4 and 5. And this is the gospel message. This separates overcoming from our own works to God working in and through us. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Not our works. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? It's the gospel message that we are not to isolate ourselves from what's going on in the world, nor are we to just um, say we need to assimilate and be part of everything that's going on in the world. The gospel message is that God has overcome in our lives who has restored our relationship to him. He's restored our relationship to others, and he's restoring our relationship to the creation that he has given us, that we will one day live in. And we overcome not by our try hard, do more, but we overcome by our faith. If you read the narrative in chapter 20, and it says the bride... A bride who prepares herself. She is covered in what God has provided. She is clothed in what God has provided. God has provided what we need so that we can overcome. 
This is why we need this message. This is why I need this message. Have you ever been involved in a renovation project? Something that took a lot of time, a lot of effort? I've been involved in a few renovating uh, places we've lived. And when we walk in, we say, okay, we see the condition of it now, but we have an idea of what it's going to look like. And through the demolition process, we make a big mess. And then we start putting things together. And it's difficult at times, it's tedious, we have many setbacks. But what compels us to continue on is the picture. The picture of the final thing. You see, as we walk this journey God has put us on, and we see that it is a long path, and the challenges are great. And the path is difficult. We need to have this gospel-centered picture of what God is going to finally do in the glorious day he returns. If we don't have that picture before us, we can lose heart. Like a carpenter who hammers nails into a board all day long can lose heart very quickly. All I do is just Sweat and pound nails into wood. But when that carpenter stands up and sees the beautiful structure that is being built, he can press on. The book of Hebrews says that we are, should carry on not to be so easily entangled by the weight of sin, but to look to the author and the perfecter of our faith that has gone before us. And that is why we need to have this gospel message here at the end of our series of what God is finally going to do and bring all things together so that we have the strength to carry on, that we know that God is at work in us. God is in the process of making all things new. It's happening now. He is making all things new. It's happening in your life and in my life. I love how C.S. Lewis ends his Chronicle of Narnia. Spoiler alert, okay? In the last battle. Yeah, if you go, I don't want to hear it. He says this. There was a real, this is Aslan speaking, there was a real railway accident, said Aslan softly. Your father and mother and all of you, as you would call it in the Shadowlands, dead. The term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ending. This is morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story 
which has, which no one on earth has read, and which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. That's our great hope. This life is just the cover and the title page. And as we seek to serve faithfully, we have to hold out before us the great glory of God restoring all things. Knowing that when that day comes, every page, every chapter will be better than the one before it. And that compels us to continue serving him for his glory. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the the grandeur, the greatness of what we can expect to come. Father, may we seek you in and through all of this. Lord, we know it's our greatest desire to know and love you. And we know that you are going to call us home someday. And you are going to restore all things. And the greatest thing that we have in both heaven and in the restored earth is your presence with us. So, Father, till that day comes, may you compel us to serve faithfully. May we take this gospel message out to all who need it. May we continue to build your kingdom here. We pray this in the name of our Savior, in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. We are going to have a time of a reflection song, and I requested that we do this. And here's why. So many times before we leave service, we've heard God's message. And I know that God's Spirit has spoken. But we walk out of here and so quickly we forget what God has said. And so my heart's prayer is that as we play this song, as you worship with us, that you reflect upon what God's Word teaches us, how God's Spirit moves, and that you let, all that, you let that settle deep in your heart, that God impresses it upon your mind, so that when we leave this place, you are not so quick to forget what God has done. So take this time and consider... God's great word. Before we sing this final chorus, as you are standing and singing, what can I say, what can I do? Offer my heart completely to you. Offering our hearts completely to God is more than just standing here and singing a praise song. Offering your hearts to God is more than just going to a Bible study. Offering your hearts to God is saying, Lord, I am yours and I am in your service. I am more than a conqueror because your spirit lives within me. Therefore, I will go out and proclaim your message. This series was not about just building you up. This series was not about just explaining the gospel to you. This series was about you understanding the greatness and glory of God through Christ 
so that you will take this message to a world who is lost and dying. In the book of Revelation, it says, anyone who is thirsty, come and drink without cost. Our desire for this church is that we would respond to this gospel call. And here's what I, here's what I want you to do. We have the opportunity to go and tell, to tell the great gospel. Many opportunities. Taking these baskets is one. Angel Tree is two. Hope South Florida, Right to Life, the Hope Pregnancy Center. There are so many opportunities in this church that we can reach out with the gospel of Jesus. My heart is that we don't just sit here, that we go. But not just go and tell, but invite so they can come and see. We have the opportunity with the Christmas series coming next week to proclaim the great message of Emmanuel with us. We have the opportunity with our special Christmas service on the 15th to invite people here and hear the glory of a Savior who comes and rescues us. We have our Christmas Eve service. We have life groups. We have the new year when we are going to be launching out with this Calling Me campaign. There are so many opportunities that we cannot just say, my heart is for you, God. But that we can say, my hands are for you, God. My feet are for you, God. My mind is for you, God. And I will serve as more than a conqueror. And so if this is your heart's prayer, if this is your desire, I want you to sing this last response saying, I stand. And if it's your heart's desire to know Christ, to know the greatness of his salvation, as we sing this, I want you just to raise your hand and say, Lord, I will go. I will take your message wherever you lead, because I know where you, wherever you go, wherever you go, that is where I want to be. And so sing this last response. And as you do so, and you feel the call, the gospel, raise your hand and say, yes, Lord, me, I will go.